Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Noticing. I'm your host, best-selling author Johnny B. Truant, and I'm here to help you give the muse the finger and make life your muse instead. In each 10-minute episode, I'll tell you how I spun something mundane into inspiration and show you how to do the same. If you've ever wondered how to write better, how to be creative, how to get more ideas, you're in the right place. Let's start noticing. This is one of those noticings that I think a bunch of people are going to yell at me and go, this is so incredibly obvious. You're dumb not to notice it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I hope you guys are cooler to me than that. I hope that, that you wouldn't literally do that. But this is one of those things where I want to point something out. And then after everybody starts nodding and going, well, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, that's true. Like, why are you bothering to tell me? Then I feel like just kind of putting my hand on the table and saying, no, 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 really think about it. Really think about it. Because most people don't really act as if this is true, even though most people would tell you that it's true. So here's here's specifically what it is. So I have two kids. Uh, one is 19 and one is 15. And since they're both into mid-teens and up, they're finally really solidifying as their own unique people. And I think that we all know that teenagers do this, you know, especially those of us who are parents or who know kids who are growing up and have watched them over time. And especially, especially if there's some sort of like guardianship or responsibility role. In other words, if that kid isn't uh, taken care of in some way, then they're going to end up out on the street or they're going to be delinquent or, you know, the many things that caregivers of kids tend to worry about if you don't get things just right. And so since that's since they are developing and becoming their own people, then that is one level. That's the obvious level. That's like, well, duh, of course you're noticing that your kids are becoming their own people. Johnny, how dumb are you not to notice this? Man, I'm really kind of getting off on this idea of you guys calling me dumb, so please don't do it. Apparently it's stuck in my head um, or do it, whatever. Um, but the point is that I, it's another level. That's another level. It's recognizing that I treat both of my kids the same in most ways. Obviously, there are allowances made. Obviously, you know, it isn't entirely the same. But despite consistent influence, they are becoming very different people. And I kind of had this moment where I went like on a next level way, I wanted to slap myself in the head and say, oh, you know what? I never had control over that. I was never going to shape them into who they are. And this is where I think that like understanding intellectually butts up against the way that most people behave. And I think that most people do tend to behave, not say, but actually act as if they one of two things. So you could either say that the, the, the less kind way, the more, let's say negative for the caregiver sort of way is that you're trying to control your kids. So there, but, but you would say, well, I'm doing it for their own good. So if I don't make sure that I give them a curfew and if I don't make sure that they don't hang out with that bad crowd, then they may get into drugs or they may end up criminals or whatever it is. And we all have stories of kids whose parents weren't there and they weren't attentive. And then as a cause effect sort of relationship, X, Y, Z happened. And the follow on is, well, if, if I have kids, if I have some dominion over some kids, I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm going to be there for them. And obviously the logical extreme is like helicopter parenting where you're uber controlling them. So control is kind of one end of the stick, but then there's also influence. And I would say something that's a little more subtle, which is like wishes for them, ambitions for them. And this is where I think the rubber really met the road with me and my kids, because it was natural 
to default toward the, the, the things on the spectrum of control, making sure that they did have reasonable limits, making sure that, that they couldn't literally do whatever they wanted, making sure that they, you know, on the positive side, that they had good things to come back to and that they were supported and all those things. But the nuances of, I have this, my thought process would go like this. Well, I, you know, I've, I've lived my life and I know some stuff that's good. And so I want to make sure that they know that this is good because, hey, why would I not tell my kids that something is good? Why would I keep something good from these people out here? And then conversely, you know what? I've learned what's bad. And so I want to make sure that they know that XYZ is bad and therefore they should pull back. And this is all sorts of things. This is this is like everything from books and movies that I want to share to um, behaviors that feel destructive and detrimental and you would want to curb them. And I think that the, the epiphany, the, the specific noticing here is that they, I'm at the age that they're at, like I can be kind of a coach and I can kind of like, if they ask questions, if they want to know, I can give my preferences. I can tell them the, the things that are, I feel are good or not, but they're, they're, they're pretty set. And this is what I mean by they are fully their own people. My son, who is 19 and a freshman in college, is very, very much his own person. And so when I make suggestions, because he's he's beyond my control now, he's at college. So when I make suggestions like, you know, if you got on a regular sleep schedule, that might help you out. Or uh, how do you, you know, you keep forgetting things. So what if you had like a to-do list manager? That would be really good. And I'm gentle about this. Like I am not a forceful parent. And so these all feel like just helpful suggestions. And at the, at the far end, I kind of want to bang my head against the wall and go, why are you not seeing this? It's so obvious that, that the way I'm talking about is better or that whatever it is. And my daughter is very, very different. She's 15 and she's an athlete. My son is an artist and they, they're similar in some ways, but they're very different in others. And so just putting on those new, uh, adult colored glasses, right. And, and just, just, just sitting down with them and talking with them with that perspective, like shifting my mind before I sit down, uh, I'm going to be their parent. I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to set reasonable limits. But beyond that, what if I just talked to them today as if they were a friend and I wouldn't tell a friend, you got to go to bed right now. And there are cases where I might say that to my kids still, but it, it gets softened when I have that filter in place because I wouldn't do that to somebody that was just my friend. And that's increasingly treating them as adults is a little bit more like, oh, okay, well, maybe I need to treat you a little bit more like a friend sometimes, especially the older one. But this is this speaks to the larger lesson of if you your our characters are our children. So if you if you if you draw characters, if you write characters like I do, whatever it is, you are creating in the same way that parents create children. And you are custodians for those characters in sort of the same way. And so I, I kind of started to think, well, what if I treated my characters in this with the same lens? Like I don't control you. I'm not gonna tell this character what to do. Instead, I'm going to step back just just a little bit and say, you know, I'm still here. I'm still here to guide you. I still have a kind of a plan, especially if you don't have one. You can go to mine as a default. But what if I kind of let you off the leash a little bit? And when when I mention this sort of thing to people who aren't writers or storytellers more broadly, they don't understand. Well, how could characters do things that you aren't telling them to do? How could you let characters 
off and not try to control them. And those of us who are storytellers, I mean, I, I hope that you've had this experience. They do have their own lives, at least, at least for me, they, they have their own lives. And if I let them go, and if I kind of go into that fugue, they will tend to do their own thing, especially once I've given them grounding in who they truly are. If I try to understand them and I try to then let them go, it's this really interesting thing. What is it that they'll be able to do if I don't try to control their every movement? If I don't say, okay, the next scene, you need to make this decision and you need to go to this guy's house. What if instead they start to kind of push back, which I've had many times, and they they don't want to do that way. There, there, there's a different plot twist that they have in mind. So I could be controlling and I could lay down the law and I could say, no, 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 you should be this. This is what you should be. And, and I have a plan and, and I'm the boss. And I'm the creator. And so I'm going to tell you what to do. What if instead I just let them do it? And that's what I'm talking about is treating your characters as if they were their own people to whatever degree that means and just seeing what comes. And this, this is about settling into that kind of fugue that, that one of the very first episodes of this podcast, I talked about how Stephen King didn't remember writing Cujo because your subconscious is in charge. So what if you let your subconscious or characters as avatars of your subconscious be in charge just a little bit? You're still taking care of them, but you want to see where they go when left to their own devices. All right, that's it for today. If you'd like more, there's a full article about every episode on my website at johnnybtruant.com, as well as show notes and transcripts. If you find value in what I do, please consider becoming a member of the site. Just click on membership at the top. Members get extra weekly episodes of the podcast, extra companion articles, my current in-progress book, if you're into that sort of thing, and more, all for just a few bucks a month. It's basically like buying me a cup of coffee. If membership isn't for you, please show your support by subscribing, sharing, reviewing, all that good stuff. It really does make a difference. Thanks for listening and stay curious.